Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Crystal here, duh, or you wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't know who it was probably because I've already played my intro before. I'm rambling. I am excited today. I have had a really incredible conversation as per usual with Carla Rinaldi, who is originally Australian and has lived in London for the past 11 years and worked for a salon that I think most of us would probably know, not another salon. So Carla was on the floor there as well as managing there. And she walks us through everything, how she grew in that role, how she grew a clientele through other salons in London as well, starting from scratch, how it was hard, how it isn't easy and how you do have to take a pay cut or take a pride cut almost, you know, you go in thinking you are ready for the top dogs and anywhere you go, anytime you go to a new salon, you're learning and you're growing and you're adapting. And that's something that I think was really important out of this conversation. She has since recently moved back to Australia at maybe not an opportune time or arguably a really opportune time because it has been lockdown. And she is doing some really amazing things, starting her own education company, making massive waves over here, networking, getting Instagram going, doing all of that. And yeah, really an inspiration. I've enjoyed listening to her. She is so wise and actually brings a different perspective than, you know, just not, I hate saying just a hairdresser, but just a hairdresser by having this management experience. And she's actually one an award for, I just am reading because I don't want to get it wrong, um, the UK and Ireland manager of the year. So that's huge, you know, and to have that, you can tell in the way that she speaks and in the way that she talks um, that she has that knowledge and that experience and that it is something that would set her apart. So I loved this conversation. I hope that you will too. I think it's something different, a different perspective than maybe what we've had on the podcast before. And I couldn't wait to sit down and talk to her. So without further ado, myself and Carla Rinaldi. Yeah. Okay. Today, me, Carla Rinaldi. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. It's been a while (laughs) getting this going. We're two busy women, aren't we? Oh my gosh. We are so busy. Like it's actually crazy. And I think that we only worked down the road from each other. (laughs) And then I was saying like, 
I'm always like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And I'm like, do people just think I'm so annoying that I'm like not actually busy? But then I watch you and like, you know, it's a lot hustling behind the scenes of all the things you try to get going. And I know you've started an education company that we'll get into, but all of these things, running an Instagram, running a column, running a business is a lot. And so it's been hard to coordinate us, but I'm so glad that we could make the time today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited as well. Thank you so much. I love talking to like-minded women, do you know, Uh that we're getting to go, but you're so right about all of those jobs. We have so many things that we need to do now. It's not just uh, doing a few color corrections anymore, is it? I know. And I used to think like, I remember when I first got into this career and coming home and getting home and not having anything to do after work. Like, you know, my friends were in uni and they had like, um, homework to do or I was used to being in hair school or high school and I was like what do you mean I can just come home and do nothing and I'm like oh where did those days go (laughs) oh my god crystal it is so my brain wasn't rolling and rolling and rolling (laughs) no I know I think you're completely right like um the other night I just couldn't switch off I had ideas going through my head like I was like and then, you know, I write them down next to a, Me next too. to my bed on a little notebook. I do do you as well? Thing. My boyfriend's like, what the hell are you doing with the flashlight on? It's one in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm writing <laughs> notes, leave me alone. <laughs> I know. And then I look at them in the morning and I go, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. What a stupid idea. <laughs> it's like, that's so funny. It's like, you have this delusional alter ego, like, I don't know. It's like this different person is in my brain at night. Like I would never think of the things I think of at night during the day. So you true. Have, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's funny. And I have I'm this thing called. forget that you don't like yeah, the ideas in the morning. <laughs> I don't like the ideas in the morning. It's so weird. And I'm like, why do I come up with that? But then every now and then I'll have a really good idea. But you know what the worst thing is? 3.30 artists. I can't do anything at 3.30. I actually get crash. I have a crash. Yeah. And I have to, I have to. What do you mean, in the afternoon or in the morning? In the after, in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So like, I was like, 3.30 in the morning is probably a good time to oh. call it quits, you know? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I've been going to bed early, actually. Oh, trying to, trying to get you. up earlier. Good I know. All right. Well, I would love to just start how I love to get into every kind of episode is how you got into the industry because you are a successful hairdresser and run a column and all of those things so was that something that you always wanted to do or how did that happen for you oh uh, yeah so do you know what I always knew that school wasn't for me okay. 100% yeah so I was definitely not a student at school uh hated it but loved the social aspect of it yeah and then we all. I think yeah we it was great you know I loved getting kicked out of class just to go to you know go to the principal's office for talking too much that was me and uh, <laughs> So, yeah, as I just went, I went into my apprenticeship and to be honest, I loved it straight away. So I never really looked back. I think it's just sort and of how I And that was here in Australia? Really. Yeah, in Adelaide. So I started okay. off in Adelaide in uh, like the northern suburbs. So a, quite a sort of small um, suburban salon and then made my way up and moved to the city to work for um, quite a reputable band, brand that uh, has now turned into Mr. Morris. It used to be Lush ah, Hair. So now, yeah, cool. beautiful. And how long did you work there? I was just a short of four years. Okay. And that was throughout your apprenticeship. So you did like your three-year apprenticeship kind of thing through them? Yeah, exactly. So I did, uh, signed off a third year 
and then smashed out a real fun year. And then I had to go and say to my boss, who I absolutely adored at the time, that I was ready to move to London and leave. And I don't know about you, but I hate quitting. Like I am just, like I would rather stay unhappy for ages than actually send that email or go in and talk to someone about quitting. Oh, my God, totally. I remember bowling, like weeping when I quit from my salon at home. Like I just, I couldn't contain He's like, why are you crying? You're going to Australia. And he was like helping me like, oh, you should go here. This person, I know this person. And I was just like weeping. Like I felt so bad about leaving, like as if his business was going to crumble by me going, you know, like we, we kind of put ourselves in this position where we think that you're blowing yourself away with the air (laughs) guard. I am sorry, darling. It's making my nose run. We'll take Go get a tissue, do whatever you need to do. We can pause. No, I, you. I washed that's my so... Pomeranian last night. That's why. It's the hair flying everywhere. <laughs> I would die. I'm so allergic. That's so funny. And so when you were going to London, what was the plan? Like to do hair? Were you going to have this like gap year and move and travel? Because that was my plan. My plan was not necessarily to come and do hair. I was just at a point that I knew... I had built a strong enough clientele where I came from that if I left for a year or six months or whatever I did, I knew I could come back and pick up. I knew I had a spot to come back to like all of those things. So I wasn't necessarily coming to grow my career and how, yeah, you know, what what was your plan with that? So the original plan was to just literally get on that plane and get out of Adelaide. And I'll be very honest, I knew there was something more for me out there. And it's not, you know, saying anything bad about Adelaide, but I was always had this something inside me. And I always thought Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. And I was driving home one day. So I booked the ticket, went to London, didn't ideally think to stay longer than 18 months. And 11 and a half years later, I moved home. Were you there (laughs) for that long? Yeah, I really was. Oh my God, I didn't know that. It was, yeah, I would still classify myself as a Londoner sometimes. You like, have I an really accent. Miss it. Oh, thank you. Not many people say that I do, but I think you we're going to go with that, Crystal. People think I do. And I'm like, what? Me? I have this weird <laughs> mismatch, whatever you, I don't know, mismatch thing. Oh, I love it. It, oh gets, it God, makes us I didn't us know you were there for that long. So how were you yeah. able to stay for that long? Because I know like I... I mean, the, the rigmarole of visa processes and things that you are not aware <laughs> happen. Like you think, I don't know, maybe I was just naive and didn't know. And I never knew anyone who moved, but I felt like you could just move and live where you want and do what you want if you had the balls to do it. And it's so not the case. So how were you able to stay there? Yeah. So my mom's English, which I'm very fortunate ah. to have the dual passport. Yeah. And the only thing, the only thing I would say though about it, and just to make you feel a little bit better is sometimes (laughs) I had too much option. Okay. So every year, especially my colleagues from London, they'll tell you this. I was like, yeah, I'm moving back to Australia. I've had enough. And then next week, no. So it didn't really give me um, much structure because I had too much choice. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't take it back for a second, but life and hair industry, you know, molded in together, like, you know, um, there's a lot of aspects that Australia was always pulling me back to. And I was, I knew I had to come back eventually. So I'm glad I finally did it and uh, came back. But yeah, it, you, you get addicted. Like yeah. the passport, it's just the golden ticket. <laughs> 100%. To be honest. And it's also something that I struggle with and toy with is the, the fear of all I want to do is go home. Like I envision myself back in Canada eventually. Yeah. And I'm afraid of going back and then it not being 
what I want anymore. And then what do you do? And I can imagine you've completely gone through that as well. And especially like I've been gone four years, never mind 11. I think every year is a bit harder, right? Everybody moves and develops and all my friends who lived in that same five minute radius as me live an hour all different ways like it would be quite challenging well um just want to be very on brand here and be super authentic I'm going to be super honest is that it's really hard and I'm only at year two and I think last year was one of the hardest years of my life for myself on a self journey leaving a country that you know after 11 years and just even small little details that you're so used to, you know, walking into Sainsbury's instead of Woolworths and, you know, it's just all these little things. And I still say pounds instead of dollars. Uh, And no, and and on an industry um, perspective, I've had networks and relationships that I've built overseas that, you know, I could pick up the phone and chat to them. And now I have to start, I have to sell myself from, from scratch again and prove myself. And I'm not, complaining at all no but it's it's okay and And that's very much even you saying that is very I think it's something we might share in common that you know oh I don't want to complain about it or this but it's like you feel bad for feeling shit because you are that person who is the leader or the mentor or just fell exactly (laughs) sorry fell over (laughs) I've done that many a time don't you worry but you're that person who is kind of you want to be in that role of being there for everybody else. And it's very hard to admit that you're having a shit one too. And I'm finding that maybe in this little bit right now too, like I'm navigating where I'm at and yeah, it's hard to say I'm actually having a bad day. (laughs) It is. And, and do you know, no, 100% Crystal. And do you know what as well? Like I, you'll always go to the people that will soften you a little bit and let you speak. And I noticed that I was actually going to friends and colleagues that were a bit more hard-ass at this time mm-hmm. that were actually saying, Carla, get your, get your shit together. Like, yeah. do you know what you're doing? Um, but also sometimes you need to go, actually, wow, look at these changes that we've actually made. You know, it, you come a- across, forget COVID, this was even before COVID. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of structure. And things are slower in Australia. Yeah. over the other side and it's not necessarily a bad thing it just things yeah. happen a little bit more because we have quality of life here whereas yeah. London everything's uh, very fast very quick and it happens and you adapt yeah. but when you say uh, you, you actually triggered me with something Crystal just wanted to yeah. go back um, that you said it's scary to admit that we're set, that we um, you know that we're not okay mm-hmm. and a lot of people classify as weak here mm-hmm. whereas back sort of my experience it's actually a strength that's my belief anyway. Yeah. If I'm not having a good day, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Because it makes me feel better. (laughs) Totally. And you know what, especially in a team environment, if I know you're having a shit day and you're being a little, you know, hard to work with, (laughs) at least I know you're having a bad day. Whereas when somebody never, (laughs) I mean, I don't know personally, but I actually think, you know, rather than coming in and kind of ignoring the team or not, you know, talking to somebody or just focusing on you, somebody, you know, it can be hard for the rest of the team when you are in a salon environment like that, but maybe that is a great tidbit from you too, to just say it. Like I've, I thought it, I felt like it yesterday. I'll be honest. I felt like it yesterday. And I was like, should I tell them I've just had a cry on the way to work? And I was like, nah, it's fine. You know, like it wasn't a big deal, but just you're right that it's hard to be vulnerable like that. And we are trained. And I do believe in this motto at work too, of leave your shit at the door. You're here, you know, to work, but I guess within 
reason that it's okay Within to reason, still- yeah. Actually, just touching on oh, that, yeah. I agree. Because I've worked, it, it's very hard because when it comes to the salon um, environment, I do agree with the fact that you should leave yeah. your stuff at the door. Yeah. But I always have one hype man in the salon or one, per- you have your person, you know, your you work wife or your work husband and yeah. you just take them aside for a second. I always used to recommend, especially in my management time, don't do it in the salon. Just step outside for two seconds and say, hey, babe, I'm having a shit day. Should we put yeah. some good music on today? Let's get through this day and let's turn it around. And to be honest, once you've said it, you, you're laughing within a few minutes. So like it's very rare, yeah. very rare that your mood changes. And music is a really big thing for me. So mm-hmm. a, lot of my, um, a lot of my main complaints will be, oh, my God, I hate this song. Can you change this song? Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I love this song. In the salon, always, because it changes my, my mood and I'm such an atmosphere person, yeah. you know. So, and I know that my clients are, are feeling that from me. So same with colleagues and it changes, you know, it just, it does change your environment, your mood. Sorry. Yeah. Love it. Love this. Um, okay. I want to go into London and how you arrived and like, did you have a job lined up when you went? Did you know where you wanted to work? Did you work the same place all the time? What, what's your kind of London <laughs> story and how oh did you gosh. start making those networks and connections and all of it yeah absolutely. yourself so, in a foreign country it was really difficult the first year but super fun so mm-hmm. I always say this I was the poorest I was ever in my life I earned six pounds an hour and I was so happy <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. yeah I, do you know what I, I had a break I had a break from hairdressing for one month I yeah. actually had some really intimidating interviews with a few large salon groups over in the UK yeah. And they basically told me straight away, you have to retrain. Um, your mm. skills aren't good enough. Um, you don't have what it takes to make it over here. Like really blunt, honest uh, feedback. London hair industry uh, is very hard or also yeah, just, holds themselves at a different standard that maybe, you know. Is yeah, it- absolutely. And retraining is like, you know, now looking back, I mean, I was 21, right? Or yeah. 20, just turned 22. I look, looking back, I thought I was the bee's knees and I absolutely mm. wasn't, but I was not ready to hear that. And um, I can admit that completely. I was, it was in, in, intimidated me. I didn't want to tell anyone that, you know, I wasn't good enough. I thought that I was the best, you know, my half had a highlights back to back. That's all I could do. <laughs> so, you know, balayage wasn't, balayage wasn't even a thing then. Yeah. And uh, so I left and I had a little break and I worked at a little cute store called Joy the Store. And I had a great time, you know, enjoying London and, and being a yeah. 20 year old. Uh, but it didn't last long, Crystal. I was, I got bored very quickly and realized that my passion was still hairdressing. And I quickly found a job at a salon. Uh, actually, being a, I couldn't get into the industry. It was really difficult at first for me. So I just took a job as a receptionist for yeah. six weeks until the stylist left so that I could just get it and take all her clients and she moved back to Australia actually. Ah, so that's wow. how, yeah. So and, that was um, the plan the end, when they hired you, they said that like work reception. Yeah. You. Don't you think that yeah. that actually is a really beneficial way of going about it? Because one, you get to learn how the salon operates, you get to learn the exactly. booking system, you get to learn the timing, you get to know the clients, you get to know the staff on a different level. I started as a receptionist as well. That's why I felt oh, like- fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I worked at this, there was, I was one of 10 receptionists. It was wild. It was Oh my massive. God, I love that. It was huge. And it was like the Very, best- uh, Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I was so shit at it. So probably not my best job, but you know, I, oh, I was terrible at it as well. Don't worry. Crystal, I was like, get me on the floor. Anytime someone needed a rough, a rough dry, I was there. It's like the joke. Like I'm like, nobody put me on the desk. I always stuff it up, but it's just one of those things that I think is really beneficial to getting in and starting and doing that to understand the booking system and how, and probably did you find anything was different in London than Australia, like in how they operate? Oh yeah. I mean, we don't have enough time. Yeah. (laughs) But would you say from a reset, would you say from a reception and a management perspective or? No, probably anything. Like I felt like when I came here, I had only ever known um, departmentalized salons. So I specialized in color all of my colors, everything was handed off. I didn't even, I didn't even touch a brush or a blow dryer, you know? Yeah. True. And then I came here and it seemed like quite a bit were both and it was encouraged to do both. It was just something different and booking times were different and yeah, little things like that. That was a little bit different getting used to. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that you work on a faster pace in, in London, in the UK or overseas, but I would say, I would say it would just be more the talking and the communicating that I found in London you get more time for than I did originally back here. But I don't think I can compare because the industry's changed so much in the last like 11 years that I've been away. So when I did my apprenticeship, I would say that I was still in this like different mentality. You know, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook. um, It was all word of mouth. So if I can compare to now, I would say Australia and the UK, we're getting so close. Like we're nearly on par. And you probably feel the same with Canada. Like the way the quality has just gone to the next level all over the world of hairdressing. Um, But sorry to digress, but going back to, you know, something that's different, I would say booking systems, you know, and, uh, you know, booking clients in, I would say the difference is that you make friends with your clients yeah. versus like they're real, they become your, your family in the UK. So yeah. it could be big city mentality. I don't know whether New York and, and, and you know, yeah, bigger cities have the same sort of, yeah. you, you know, whereas here I really do feel like your client's your client and you don't cross that barrier. You know, sometimes I'd do someone's hair in, uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon and she'd bring a bottle of wine, we'd be drinking the whole, we'd drink the wine at the last uh, last you know, session. Yeah. And off we go, off we go out for the night. You know, you don't even go home to get ready because your clients become those people you grow with and they become part of your family over there. That's where I would say it's very different. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's that one's um, better than the other or one's better than the other. No, I think it's just different. And especially in my twenties, it and I didn't know anyone. I, I took it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That's that's something that also I always am grateful for with our industry is the fact that it is social. People are always like, "Oh, like, did you have friends before you move, or you know, before you came over here? Did you know anyone?" And I was really lucky. I did. I had friends before I moved, but a massive chunk of my friends here is my friends from the salon. And I've been really lucky. I've worked in four different salons since I've been here, and every salon I have a new friend group because everybody in our, not everybody in the industry, but you know, a good majority are like-minded, are of similar age, have similar interests. You have the same days off. You work the same evenings and weekends. So my girlfriends don't understand who aren't hairdressers that I actually don't want to go out on a Friday night. I'm so sorry. I actually can't go for a wine. No, I have to go home and ice my feet. (laughs) Oh my God, Crystal. I know I'm going to tell you how much I sympathize with this. He's probably going to tell me off my best friend for saying this, but 
since I've gone freelance and I'm starting Root Society, like the education, yeah. he he keeps calling me going, so what are you doing today? You just got the day off. No, excuse I'm working. You. Yeah, excuse you. And he goes, but you're not doing, but you're not doing hair. And I said, yes, darling, I'm working. I'm in front of the laptop. I don't get it. I said, Tim, it's okay. You don't have to get it. But it's infuriating. But at the same time, I thought, you know what? That's fine. He doesn't get me in that part and that's fine. (laughs) That's so funny. I know. It was very interesting. And so I would love to kind of dive in because you have a very unique experience in London with a salon that you worked for that I think people would be quite familiar with. And I would love to kind of hear how that happened for you. And you worked at Not Another Salon. Yeah, absolutely. I did. A fantastic time um, in my career. I actually, um, yeah, I worked there about six months after the salon opened. Okay, cool. Yeah. And and how did that? uh, Sophia and the team. So basically I actually left a previous salon after six years. So I worked the salon before, not another salon. I was there for six years. I was a freelance as well there, but like, you know, running my own column, very, very busy. Um, And and does I that mean, sorry, more, just for people who maybe don't understand, does that mean you are renting a chair within that salon space and the money is going to you or you're on a commission structure? What does that kind of absolutely. mean? Absolutely. So it's, it's quite we, different overseas versus here. Absolutely. So we were commission based in this particular company. Yeah. So we would, we would um, depending on your level, so if you went up to different seniors and different management, you could earn up to 50% of your um, takings and That's then you really would good. pay your own. Yeah, it was really good. And you'd pay your own VAT and tax. But, you know, we still had a lot of structure where you'd have to go in the certain hours and, you know, us, you know, it was it was still very, you know, an employed environment with if you didn't have that, then you, you wouldn't have discipline. So yeah. great money, great team, uh, good opportunities, but just not enough for me. So yeah. I searched around a little bit more and I... Um, I thought, oh, what can I do? And it was actually this one particular picture that not another salon posted uh, that I really attracted me to. It It was like a blue, beautiful melt. And I thought, oh, I like that salon. What's that? And Instagram, I think I had four followers, you know. It was, (laughs) you don't see much on it at this point. I actually hated Instagram when it first came out. So I thought, oh, this is nice. And I got my boyfriend at the time on the Sunday to go have a little stalk down Brick Lane and uh, have a little look. And I thought, stuff it I'm gonna apply so I did print out my um CV had a big wide brim hat and I walked on in <laughs> and I said to the receptionist because I'm a real big believer in speaking to the owner and going in person like I'm not really a behind yeah and this is how I like to get jobs I'm a bit old school yep. so yep. I, I literally went in and the receptionist and I said can I please speak to you know to the owner to Sophia and she goes um no darling she's busy and I said no I'd really like to speak to her yep. <laughs> she goes no, she's busy. And I was like, oh, but I think she'll like me better in person. <laughs> and I was just, it was so funny. I just stood there and then I thought, okay, Carla, calm down. You're being too pushy. So I left my CV and, uh, yeah, and I left and, and whatever. And I didn't get the call for a few days. I was actually on the way to get a spray tan. I was literally about to step into the spray tan booth and Sophia goes, do you want to come for a trial today or an interview? Oh. And I was like, uh, 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 spray tan, job, spray naked. tan. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll ditch the spray tan. So yeah, I went down there and That's then sort so of was history. Yeah. And then we went from there. So, which was really exciting. And that was about four and a half years ago, I think now. Wow. And so you've watched it kind of from the ground up 
And were you applying at that time? Because I know you did step into management, but you were applying for a job on the floor at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I think going back to what I said previously earlier as well was one thing in my old company and what I find happens a lot in, in career steps is you get to a point where you've grown so much that your ego becomes quite large and I'll, I'll own it. I, mm-hmm. I was very good in my previous salon, yes. uh, which was in South London. So I had a real shock to my system when I joined um, the Not Another team, uh, not because I wasn't good enough, but because I wasn't at that level. I had to shake it up again in my career. Because it was a different type of colouring. Like what yeah. you were doing was maybe more classic and what they're known for is their melts and their fashion tones and all of these things. And is that where you felt like, okay, I've stepped, that's exactly how I felt where I just went. Yeah, I was intimidated 100%. And, you know, I mean, I went home crying quite a few nights and I'm a very big um, uh, fan of Foyalage Mm -hmm. because I'm an Australian and uh, um, Sophia won't mind me saying this, but she's a very big fan of of Freehand. And I think her and I actually had a disagreement over it at once because she didn't like foil and I loved freehand yeah. and um, sorry, vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we had a disagreement. I said, but I really need to get my client maximum lift today. So she let me do it in the end and, and we ended up having a beautiful working relationship in, in, in that respect, yeah. you know, but it's difficult because when you mm-hmm. start a new company, no matter how big, you're the newbie, you're the newbie and you don't know what their techniques are. So And exactly. And every salon has their own techniques. And the reason why I left my, salon that I was previously with was I was just to be honest and I don't think it's any secret I was bored I was doing the same blonde hair all day every day it was I was finding it a snooze and I applied to (laughs) I love that I'm gonna use that a snooze (laughs) it's like "Mm, yawn (laughs) boring (laughs) this is so rude my boyfriend does that to me when I'm telling a story and it's a bit boring maybe he'll go "Mm, yawn Oh, is that too long of a story? <laughs> anyway, oh my gosh, the you. reason I applied to the salons that I did in just last year when I was finding a new place was for exactly that reason. I knew I my skill is freehand. I love it. That's what I'm good at. I that's you know my thing, and I can foil and I can do all that. But I was uncomfortable when I would get a fashion tone or a scalp lightener or something like that. And it's like when it's not in your repetition, you don't, it's not like if you don't use it, you're moving use around, it, but a little bit, the fear settles in where you're like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Like, oh, you know, and I, I went to this salon and I have 10 years experience and I felt like, oh my God, have I never colored hair before? <laughs> That's exactly how I And felt. a new color and- line too. I found that quite challenging. Yep. And it's, it's not even, um, sorry, I do apologize. I'm just trying to move the charger thing here around. No drama. I have this issue with the phone at the moment, charging, Uh, not charging. If you need to plug it in and take your headphones out, you can. Okay. We might do that in a minute. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Let you know. Um, yeah, sorry. Go. Everybody um, has this problem. It's not a new thing. It's just that the headphones (laughs) cut out me talking in yours but I can fix it. So don't stress. Okay. Thank you so much. I would too. <laughs> so were you using a different color line there as well? Or was it just that the demographic of the clients was different? So we, in not another salon or the yeah. salon before? Yeah. Not another salon. Yeah. A little bit of both. So obviously known for a lot more vivid work. I loved creative color. So as you say, snooze, 
snooze fest in my old place? Absolutely. Um, but financially, when you're making a lot of money, it's really scary to leave a company. Yeah. And this is something where I was really nervous to do because you have to take a step back financially to get yep. creatively you have ahead. To start over again. Yeah. Because you you, you're going again. in without a clientele, you're going in kind of blank again, and you can't be getting paid X when you don't have anybody coming in the door. That's right. And when you don't have those skills that that particular company does, you have to step down to learn their skills. Yeah. So you just got to bite it. So yeah, yeah we, we learned, it was very fortunate. Um, us and the team, like all of us in the team were able to use probably every creative color under the sun, you know, you name it, crazy color, manic panic, pulp riot, um, you know, um, random ones, movie, Arctic Fox. So the knowledge that we got by making mistakes, we, you know, it was so much fun, but also you can apply creative color techniques to natural. And that's what my passion is, is natural Mm. as well. And just, you know, making these colors look absolutely gorgeous, but, you know, learning a different brand is important, but also not being bored. Like you said, because that's what I like having a variety. That's why we change salons. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And then having the option. Yeah, totally. And then at some point after working on the floor for a while there, you did transition into a management role. How did that kind of come about? Because I think that's something maybe you could relate to something that I experienced is I have all these visions. I have these ideas. I know I want to do more than working behind the chair. And I know that my body actually cannot work five days behind the chair. I I can't do it. So I know that I want to go into something else, but I have found, and sometimes it's a visa thing too, where you don't want to ruffle any feathers in case, you know, there's thing, there's definite factors. However, I feel like sometimes I don't feel comfortable approaching the situation saying, Hey, like I, I actually want to do more freelance or I want to do this. Like, how do you go about approaching your boss saying, I'm not totally happy on the floor and then getting into Mm. a management role? Like how, how did you feel about that? Or how did that happen? You know what? That's a really good question. I'm going to answer that question first and then how I got in because that is a really good question. It's true. Like how do you approach your boss to tell you you're unhappy? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the most powerful thing you could actually do in your career. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would always book a meeting. So I would always say, look, and and not a text message because Mm -hmm. it's a real anxiety ridden thing. When you receive a text message, you always think, your staff is leaving when you get a text mm. message. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm, I'm sure. saying. It's like, it's not that I want to resign. I'm not done. Like I'm happy doing this, but I need to have a plan of something else. Exactly. So, you know, I'd book a meeting and I'd say, look, this is what I'm feeling. You know, what are the options within the company? And yeah. generally, you know, they'll always come up with an option. If you're working for a company that, that you still see growth in and they still see growth with you, they will find a position for you. And at the time of the management that happened for us at Not Another, I actually didn't want it, mm. believe it or not, because I managed my previous salon and I really enjoyed just learning and being a hairdresser. Because one thing that happens when you turn into a manager is you now are managing your friends. Yeah. Especially when, and I this, guess when you're managing a salon that you've worked at. Yeah, totally. Right. So when you're yeah. promoted within, it's not just as easy as one, two, three, boom, now I'm in charge. And I like to call us leaders instead of management. I just say management because it rolls off my tongue Yeah. because I was a manager in my previous salons and I would say in not another and what I aim to do now is to lead because you learn different skills because you can't tell people off. You need to be there to support them. So I knew I had a lot to learn 
And I think uh, in the end I got talked into it or I think Harriet, Sophia and I were actually at an event. This is what actually happened. We were at the British Hairdressing Awards and I was like, I'm moving back to Australia. And Sophia and Harriet literally said, no, nah, you're not. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to manage not another. And I said, oh, okay, fine, why not? Let's do another five years. <laughs> and that's how it happened, actually. I'm not even joking. I oh just did God. it a little bit tipsy. That red wine will get you every time. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> Write that the um, <laughs> Exactly. So, and, and it was, it was an exciting time and I threw myself into it. And I think, you know, being a real goal focused girl, um, you know, I'm a bit naughty. I throw myself into my goals and neglect the other aspects of my life mm. sometimes. So I gave it my all. Um, and, and here we are. Yeah. It That's was a good, wild. it was definitely, it's definitely challenging. Cause I would say that in London, you have a lot of characters who are, you know, like me, we're all ambitious. Yeah. If you have a salon full of ambitious staff, you can imagine the questions that come up. So those meetings you were talking about that everyone is nervous to do, this team wasn't nervous. <laughs> they they weren't nervous at all. I'm bored. What can I have? So yeah. it was a whole new way of leading and management. So interesting. Do you eyes. think that stepping into that role, and I feel like this is something that I've learned from doing the podcast and from talking to people who are in an ownership role, a management role, any of those things that do you think it made you appreciate previous bosses you've had and realize how effing hard it is? Or like, I feel like when you're on the floor, I'm um, say, this is just an example. And I'm just going to say, yeah, of course. Myself. Um, I'm like, I'm bringing in all this money. This is what I'm getting paid. This is shit. And then once I started doing this podcast, I'm thinking about the fact that they're paying my super They're, you know, that money that I'm bringing in every week, part of that's going to my annual leave, part of that's going to my super part of that's going to my rent part of that's going to my yeah. product line. And then I'm getting the rest. And here I am looking and I'm like, I'm not even getting a 50 50 cut. And I'm, you know, breaking my back, like all these things. So do you think that going into that opened your eyes a little bit to the right ratios and kind of how it balances out oh. or did you open your eyes to be like oh this actually really isn't fair <laughs> no 100 it did open my eyes and I will say it is definitely lonely being an owner sometimes and it's uh you know I I know that I didn't own it but yeah. I definitely felt partnerships and I felt like we walked along that same line at times yeah definitely and I was definitely, yeah, I was, the things I saw and the things that you have to do and yeah, it's difficult and it's never stopped grinding. It's, and and you can't actually show as an owner, you can't really, and a manager, you can't really show, you know, your fear sometimes because you might have not hit target that week, but all your stylists Mm -hmm. have. So you still have to pay those wages. So that did open me up about that. I would say as well, depending on the pay structure, I really think it depends on the pay structure to that um, and what your stylist wants. So, for example, if the pay, you know, as a manager, if if the payment wasn't, sorry, start again. If you're commission-based, I would say 100%. It's so much better to be a commission-based hairdresser sometimes. You're laughing because you're walking out the door and you don't have any responsibility. Yeah. So... But if you are on a wage and you might not be hitting target and you're giving a lot and you're not getting back, you know, maybe it's worth having a conversation with your boss just to see what other options there are um, so that you don't feel deflated. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like money is important to me, you know, as well. But 
which I think turns people off Mm. sometimes. And I felt, you know, I've, I am definitely not afraid to speak my mind and say, you know, like that if I'm not totally happy with something, but again, the visa scenario makes it hard when you're in a position that you can't speak up as much, but I've felt like, yeah, like if you're not be, if you feel like you're not being rewarded for the work, you don't enjoy going in or you don't want to push, you don't want to fit that extra correction in or things like that. Sometimes it's like, I've noticed, you know, and being money driven, it's like, it's like a negative thing, but it's like, well, that's how I survive. And that's how I can enjoy the other things in my life that I also like doing or things like that. And I think sometimes the targets, like you said, if you don't hit your target, if I know I've had a crummy Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm not going to hit my target for that week but then I'm stuck grinding out a Saturday and, you know, things like that can be really hard. It's so interesting. I never worked somewhere until I came here that there was different pay structures. I only ever worked at one salon. So it is interesting to see how every salon operates different and what is best, I guess, in that way, or. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to that as well, like I think money can be in, in different ways. And this is what's really important is that sometimes when I say money, it might not necessarily be the physical money. It's it's actually like, okay, I decided I wanted to be a manager, an educator. Um, you know, I wanted to still do hair. So I wanted all three at the time. And this is where it became really difficult. But I also knew which one paid me higher, mm. okay? So which I had to what? give up, <laughs> to be honest, probably doing hair. Yeah. So, and at the end of the day, like doing hair, you're always financially laughing because, you know, but I wanted more inside my belly burning. Yeah. I need a desire. That's why I joined a reputable salon. Yeah. Otherwise I would have just stayed in my commission-based yeah. structure. Yeah. Um, and I got more out of education and more out of being a manager than I did, um, sorry, with all three of them equally. Yeah. That, that was working for me. That was great. And that that's where I got my, I would say, financial kicks from yeah uh because I got it from doing what I loved yeah but if I was just doing all three yeah and and so even though I love money and I know it sounds like that god I feel like what we do is talk about money but it I wouldn't have loved it if I was paid high with no um personal goals or no positions like education I needed something and how did you get into doing the education were you educating with not another salon or like you learned from them and then we're like, Oh, I can relay this. Or how did that kind of transition for you? Yeah, absolutely. So originally started back at my previous salon, uh, grow. And so I joined matrix and Redken when I was like a baby educator and I used to shadow all of these, like I'd look at them with Ori starry eyes, like, Oh, oh how so exciting. Cool. Yeah. And I loved, loved working for them. Did all my color keys, you know what we do. And it's so exciting to get a little color key behind you because you feel so your consultation changes and you just feel so empowered, uh, like the knowledge of of colour theory. Um, And then I thought, yep, got to do more. So when I went to um, Not Another, we have an academy, we have Not Another Academy, and then we we learned under uh, Sophia and then also lead lead courses ourselves for us. And then we were able to travel with that company, uh, Not Another Academy, and teaching, which is brilliant because it's given us – so many networking, so much networking yeah. and so much opportunity. Um, and then I suppose looking back at those little parts of like education, like 
you know, working for a company that's very structured like Redken and, and, and L'Oreal, you have to step into those shoes. So I'm really glad that I've seen both sides of education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's because very now, almost formal yeah, in those yeah. brands, like those kind of grandfather brands. And then you have something yes. so different, so quirky, so out there, like not another. And it's like, okay, maybe one, maybe both are too far each way. Like how can we have a happy medium or finding that that totally works for you or that totally doesn't is, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very big believer in like, you know, I never want to copy and yeah. I never want, I always like to find my own unique selling point and, and things. And I think that when you leave a brand, you always have this moment where you go, especially a reputable brand and you go, Oh, everyone's expecting you to do something and everyone's expecting you to, to mm-hmm. fall into that category. So it takes a little bit of time. I'm still not there. You've got to find your USP and make it yeah. work for you. And uh, that's what I'm doing with Root Society, yeah. um, which we'll talk about uh, yeah, in tell a bit. Us. But, this yeah, is, it's, yeah, it's definitely, um, well, yeah, I mean, what do you want to know? It's like, Well, was that exciting. always something that you had as a vision for yourself, starting your own education platform? Like when you were educating where you're like I want to do this myself or was this something that was a fight or flight and we've had a pandemic and you've moved back to a new country and you don't have a job necessarily I mean you have but you know no I did I did yeah you you don't have a job so if I that's how I came up with this and knew that I was going to do something with my time off I think you and I are seem to be quite similar in that regard there was no way I was sitting on the couch for six months twiddling my thumbs like I want I I had to physically do something and I wasn't getting paid either I was off for that whole time and did you have that vision before the pandemic hit and you had the time off or how did it all blossom and happen and yeah I mean okay so yeah 100% COVID was a huge impact a big kick up the bum Mm -hmm. but I came home at the end of last year uh, end of 2019 ready to go and work somewhere and my dream's always been to have a salon Okay. Um, there's no, I've never really lied about this to anyone that I work yeah. from. I've always wanted my own salon since I was a baby. Interesting, I love that. I know. And, and you um, envisioned so that is, in Australia and that's why in your head you always had to come back here? Yeah, which is so weird. I never actually envisioned it in the UK. Um, don't ask me why. There's actually yeah, no reason. Okay. I think it's, yeah, I mean, I definitely could have done it over there. It was a great place to start something. But I think it's the family pool. So I had yeah. to come back for the family. So come back, um, you know, and if it was, yeah, I just always wanted a salon. And then I taught, I have uh, just full speed ahead networking and doing what I can to connect with people in the industry. And it's all come actually from a few clients that I did when I first got here that I met through Instagram. Mm -hmm. So even though I love education, it was never the plan to start off as an education company before a, a salon. It was always going to be salon and then do a few drip feeding educations and, you know, see how we grow Yeah, because totally. I can't, I can't, I can run a salon. Um, and I feel very confident in the fact that, you know, that would be exciting. And so what do I do? I throw myself into something I don't know. <laughs> of course. Um <laughs> Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. What was that? That's okay. That you came back to Australia from there. You were thinking about oh, having so the, a salon and yeah. how you came up with Root Society and if you always wanted to have that. That's right. So it, it all came from this, this couple of Instagram clients that contacted me and they were super honest and they said, look, we've been um, following you 
for a few years. And, you know, we live in Melbourne. Um, I see that you're here. Can I please come and meet you? And I was like, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like, I'm not going to say no to money, am I? Yeah. <laughs> not so to do no a, a class with client. them? No, this is a client getting their hair done. Oh. And so I sat them down. We had a little, you know, I had a little um, chat with them and they just, we need help. I just never, ever get heard. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I, I love my color, but I sit there with anxiety and I don't know what's happening the whole time. And no communication. Then we, no communication. And I got to about three or four of these um, Instagram clients that I started building up. And they all said the same thing. And I was like, and they weren't difficult colors. And I just thought, you know what? I'm so passionate about communicating and I'm so passionate about consultation and everyone can do a beautiful balayage. Like yeah. I, I'm, everyone can do beautiful techniques and everyone's got their way. But when it, um, so I was like, we just need to, as an industry, communicate better with our clients. Yeah. Like I'm, ne- I'm not saying at all that I'm four hours than- shitting their pants. Exactly. Thinking and that thought, it's not going to come out right. They're watching everything you do being like, oh my God, what is she doing? Exactly. And uh, I know that there's some brilliant consultations out there. I'm definitely not saying, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I'm the best, but I just knew that's what I wanted to do. That's where my passion was. And I yeah. thought I could open a salon right now and I could get staff and I could get really tired worrying about making, you know, ends yep. meet for totally. about five years. And then by the time I want to start preaching about consultation, I'll be 40 <laughs> and yeah, I'll be and over it. I'll, kind be, of. I'll hope, you know, not necessarily, you know, over it, but my passion wouldn't be buzzing as much as it is at this very present. Yeah. So present time. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with this. And as my best friend says, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You start, you try again, but at least I tried. Yeah. I completely, so message, completely agree. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah. That's, that's why I'm doing it. And, so Root Society has actually come from, excuse the pun, but I'm a little bit playful and I yeah. am not ashamed to be a bit kinky and a bit playful, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And I thought, you know what, let's just call it Root Society. And yeah. the reason it's society instead of community is because, you know, it's a bit more fun and we are a society and we should all go back to our individual salons and do whatever we want to do with the beautiful information we take from any education platform. Totally. Because we are actually all doing the same thing totally. in different four walls. Don't you yep. agree, Crystal? Totally. Like, so it, I'm not in competition with you. You're not in competition with, you know, I the share clients with, you know, I share a client with Tom. I share a client with my old girlfriends that I used to like. Right. I do the color. They do the cut still. And, like, there's no harm in that. I, I don't no. know. Like. It is this thing like, oh, you shouldn't maybe post that photo because the haircut wasn't done within our company or vice versa. Or, you know, I know that they felt like that with my colors, like being like they can't post it because I did the color. And it's like the client Mm. at the end of the day is going to go where they want to go. They have come in. They've I've done the color there. If they saw a haircut that they wanted within there or saw felt comfortable, they would have had it. And that has nothing to do with me saying it or somebody else in, you know, my old salon or where anywhere saying, okay, you should get your color done here. If they want to do it, they're going to do it. 100%. 100%. They choose everything. They have everything on their phone. Everything is there for them to see it's no secret what I do. If they're not coming to me, it's because they don't like what I do. So 
yeah or and and also absolutely and also that's why I say let's do our job really really so you know super super properly at the beginning god I can't speak English apparently (laughs) so let's do our job appropriately at the beginning and give them the best consultation and then the second time they come in let's do it even better instead of the second time just do oh same again yeah let's keep it going so that they become monogamous to us so they become you know it's a relationship and this is how I teach is that your client is in a relationship with you whether they're going to be a one-night stand or whether they're going to be a monogamous it's up to you not up to them totally love it yeah so it's exciting what is kind of the next thing like is this is the plan to go back to that harmonious three that gave you that joy of being in salon doing education and managing like where do you kind of now see it flowing and following what's the next step and how are you going to make profit as well like you know it's hard if you're not on the floor while you're trying to do this because yeah this is starting. This isn't going to be your full wage. You know, my podcast isn't paying me right now, you know, but you have to make time. I know I have to cut down my hours to put the energy and the time because I'm actually can't do it. Otherwise, like there's not enough time in the day to do everything well. And I find when I am doing too much of this or too much of education or too much of in salon, I'm by the, my last client, they're not getting the best of me. No, you're exactly right. So, yeah, you have to make ends meet, don't you? So, Crystal, I'm I um I am working um out of uh, Frankie Salon. Pete Dunn, my friend, he's beautiful yeah. space. At We've the had him on. And, um, that's actually I know, how I met fabulous. you. We should discuss this because, as much as you I were saying that those that. those clients found you through Instagram and saw <laughs> your work, well, I nearly died when I was like, because what I was looking for was a new salon space. I still wanted to do my beautiful balayage, my blondes, all of those things. But literally, I've said this to you. What I am looking for is doing the creatives, doing the melts, doing the scalp lighteners, because I wasn't getting that. And so initially Frankie, actually that salon didn't appeal to me because it was very similar to what I had come from. However, I had heard great things about Pete, my friend Mon worked there. Like, you know, when you also are looking for somewhere that you're going to be happy with your management and with your team, like that's a huge part of it especially again, I hate to harp on it when you're on a visa, because that's it. You can't do your three month trial and change your mind or, you know, all these things that Mm. when I went in and Pete was like, well, I actually have Carla Rinaldi and she's going to be here and blah, blah, blah. And she worked in not another salon. And I was like, what? My worlds are colliding. Like both things. I'm getting (laughs) the creatives. I'm getting the education. I'm getting that experience of what I would have wanted. If not another salon was here, that would have been where I went for that next step because that is specifically what I was trying to upskill in and I was gonna have you know it was like this moment of like I'm you must have seen my eyes falling out of my head being like this is the best thing ever and then people we have no room we have a tiny salon look at us we're overflowing you have to wait four months and I was like I can't (laughs) babe I lost my job too so I I feel you I was like Pete's like babe don't have enough room but do you know what he yeah it's it's so true but look at us now and that's what's great it's the networking and it it leads if they had told us now crystal like the world or something that this is what we'd be doing I wouldn't have believed them so who knows what we're going to be doing in a year's time do you know um so yeah getting back to your other question I love that there you go this is how we network Instagram besties yeah Full circle moments and, yeah, I'm doing clients and I'm really enjoying spending time. Like, I love my job again. Like, 
I'm not I'm not going to be shy to any hairdressers that ever have hated their job. I've I've been there. You know, yep. it's called bur- it's burnout, and I mm-hmm. I did, and I was like, I want more, want more, want more, but I love it again, and I'm so yeah. so happy to be my to be able to meet clients. You know, I'm doing it all now, like extensions again, and color corrections, and um, men's cuts, and I'm loving it. I'm loving going back into it and doing like, you know, instead of just you know color color color. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Be- all, meeting all meeting around. new people. So. Yeah, but I get to choose at the moment who I do and and what I do, and that is really, really lovely. And, yes, I'm taking a massive, massive um, pay cut to work for Root Society, but you have to, exactly yeah. what you said. You have yeah. to cut your hours down because you will burn out. And, you know, I felt it last night when I fell asleep at 9 o'clock on the couch. Good for you. <laughs> I went to bed at midnight. <laughs> oh, that's okay, babe. We all do it. Yeah, you have to. I just... I I ended up staying at the salon last night about 40 minutes after I'd done two color corrections, a half out of foils, a full other balayage correction, haircut. And I was like, I'm so tired. And I still I had 10 other things to do once I got home, you know, I had to prepare for the podcast. Like there's just, you can't not. So that's where I'm admiring watching you grow this business and grow your presence on Instagram and put everything into it. Cause it, it's something that needs to be credited that it takes a lot of work. And especially when you are in the salon and trying to balance a social life. And now that we can have one, you know, I found that really yeah, hard. It was easy in lockdown to throw myself into it because I didn't have the option of being hung over on Sunday. Cause I went out Saturday night and now I'm like, I can't go out Saturday night. Cause I have so much to do on my days off, but then I'm like, what am I doing? If I, I need to let some steam off too and go out. It, it's hard. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I literally sometimes, and someone might hurt me for saying this, but I was like, oh, I miss lockdown. <laughs> I was like, I get so much done in lockdown. Um, but then, you know, we wouldn't be able to collect content and we wouldn't be able to network and we probably wouldn't be, you know, meeting new clients. So, you know, you get, you get the good and the bad with both. Absolutely. And I suppose as well, um, oh, there was something I really wanted to tell you then, but it'll come back to me. But, you know, with Root Society, one thing that I would love to do and little goal with it as well is that, you know, I don't want to stop because apprentices and young people in the industry is a real passion for me. Yeah. And being, um, you know, working for myself and not having growing apprentices is, is not going to sit right for me forever. So I definitely think that long term there needs to be some sort of space or because at the moment I'm just I train yeah. Pete's and I love it. I love educating Pete's uh, babies and I just, yeah. they're just amazing. And, um, but anyone's, you know, like I think that my next step will be courses for apprentices and courses yeah. for, for juniors because they're the future. Oh my God. They're going to be teaching it. me and how to come. what I they're wanted be- this yeah. for. They're, they're the ones. And I think it's really hard to find apprentices. Like I've never noticed it before I think I worked in really big salons that we always had Mm. multiple apprentices and it was always there but I can't operate my day the way that I'm operating it on the structure that I'm on right now without them like and if they can't do it like we were short just say a day we were short apprentices I had to leave my paint four times to put a toner on put the ends on do a root mount we're doing all these complicated things that you can't operate to the level that you were without them. And that's also where I wanted to start this podcast the same way you want to bring them up. I want this in college. I want this in high schools. I want them to know that hairdressing isn't this 
dumb career, this shitty career that has bad hours and it's going to take you so long and you're on your feet and it, you know, it doesn't pay all yeah. these things. And that is what people say. And I don't like that. And I think to have somebody like you wanting to put your time and your energy and focus into growing the next generation is amazing. Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, it's so important. I might be way ahead of myself, but I mean, I'd even like an apprentice educator just with me, like amazing. I mean, you know what? I had a boy in London who is now my best friend and I trained him, um, got him from, from baby scratch, you know, and he's one of the most amazing hairdressers now. Like he's teaching me things. He's now working for Davinus as an educator and he's so modest, you know, like he's so, and you know, what makes me so happy is that still after eight years, he'll call me no matter what salon we work at. And he goes, so I've just got a client and she's a level <laughs> eight and it's a little bit warm. And what do you reckon? And we're on the phone and the clients love it. You know, the clients love the fact that we're, we're bantering, you know, yeah. we're actually talking. And, and I don't think it's a shameful thing to ask for advice anymore from a senior no. colorist or even, or from anyone. Yeah. Do you know when it was really taboo to say, totally. oh God, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you come help me? Yes. Don't tell the client. Walk by. We used to have this alleyway, isn't it? The Not an alleyway, by. but yeah, the walk by you're looking and you're like, oh. I can't see close up. I'm just going to go pick up that brush and you like go over and you're cleaning the station or something. But really you're looking at our roots to see what you need to do. Exactly. <laughs> we like, to be honest, like we've covered, yeah. you know, all the things that I think I really wanted to cover with you. If there's anything that you feel like you haven't, but I, yeah, I think what you're doing is great. I think to hear how you. you went and made it from here to London and did, you know, big things over there and you wouldn't award to for being manager over there it's not like you just have this self-hype you've won the you've won the award and I think it's it's very very exciting night (laughs) it's very apparent to hear you like that you are passionate about it that you love it and that you have this different level of knowledge to just somebody who's worked on the floor and I think that that gives you a leg up and an advantage and yeah I've enjoyed Thank you. Thank you. Problem. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this too. I think it's really nice to meet like-minded people and we should keep it going. Definitely. Yeah. And when this COVID thing's ended, wouldn't it be great? We should have a massive, massive hairdressing party event, just a oh networking event for, for young entrepreneurs. That's what we need to do. Oh my God. Write it down. Write it down. This is going into the, the not three. This is in the before the 3 PM journaling. I'm telling you, babe, I've already got ideas ticking after this conversation. <laughs> Send them my and way. I got to go do a client. So I've got to go back into um, uh, balayage mode. I've got to yeah, get out. I know. Of I have, I start working 45 <laughs> minutes. So, okay. Well, I'm going to let you go, gorgeous. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you so much, Carla. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes. 